Hello, podcast listeners. This is Matthew with one more treat for you from the Intermillennium Media Project. This comes directly from our Patreon bonus feed, but it's also a crossover with the Draft House Diary video series over on YouTube. We wanted to share this because a few Halloweens ago, we talked about the 1931 classic Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi. So we wanted to offer this discussion of the 1931 classic Dracula, starring Carlos Valerius. Yes, this is the Spanish-language version that was shot at the same time as the better-known Universal Pictures feature. If you'd like access to more bonus shows like this one, and to support the podcast, take a look at patreon.com slash immproject. In the meantime, enjoy the show, and happy Halloween. Hi, it's a Draft House Diary for Tuesday, October 10th, 2023, when I came out here to the Alamo Draft House at Sloan's Lake to see Dracula, the 1931 classic, but not the one you're thinking of. The one not starring Bela Lugosi, but starring Carlos Valeria. Ah! Oh. <laughs> hey! I have, uh, once again, guest reviewer Ian Porter of the Intermillennium Media Project podcast. Good to see you all again. And by the way, in addition to the Draft House Diary, I think the audio for this is going to go up on the Intermillennium Media Project feed just to close the loop on the fact that for the podcast, we reviewed that 1931 Bela Lugosi version of Dracula. And I've been so excited to see this version because this is the same sets filmed at the same time, but this being the other cast, they got a chance to review how shots were composed, what worked and what didn't, in the Bela Lugosi version, and I can I saw immediately that there are some small changes just to the choreography and the placement and the shot composition that add an extra layer of depth to this. It was an interesting way to make movies. They there was such a market for Spanish language movies during the day. The crew and cast would shoot the Bela Lugosi Dracula, and then at night, new director, new cast, same sets would come in and film this Spanish-language version. But you're right, they had the benefit of a different director, but also getting a chance to see what had been done on the, the shoot for the Universal uh, English-language version. There's various moments of this version which have such a bold change and a zooms and shots and holds that add more tension and give new focus. Suddenly, conversations that I was loving in the Bela Lugosi version between Dracula and Van Helsing become a little more tense and a little less certain on Van Helsing's side just by how they frame things. And that gives this more ethereal nature to the whole thing. He's let Dracula's less fightable in the Spanish language version, which is fascinating. Yeah, there were two different factors here that were in tension for me. One was the fact that this was a more dynamic movie. Mm. There was more camera movement, more variety in terms of shots, some beautiful long shots that showed more of these great sets from more different angles. And yet, it was a more patient movie. There were longer stretches of silence. Things took a while to do. And that gave it that, that kind of ethereal, but also that it gave more time for more looming dread to build. You put these together, 
I would say that overall, as a film beginning to end, this was not paced as well as the English language version. It seemed to take longer to get to its story beats. I don't want to shorten any given scene, but maybe the editing could have brought it together into a, a movie that was a little more compelling, a little more well-paced. I will say another thing that does that is that the staff of the uh, as asylum next door have a bit more of a heavier hand in their comedic role in the Spanish language version. The Alamo did this screening with subtitles, and that was very important to be able to follow along some of it. But I felt the fact that they were having, you know, the guy here to drag Renfield back in, come in and like, oh, can you believe this? I thought I thought Monday was going to be bad. He had a lot more of a stand-up routine kind of approach. Yeah. And that cracked the tension. So they built the tension higher, but cracked it and let it sink a lot more often. And that could also throw the pacing off. Because if you're not used to a film alternating between its tones like that, you'll never sink into it quite the same way. Yeah, we got a bit of that in the, the Bela Lugosi English language version, but it was not the broad comedic disconnect that there seemed to be for this. Yeah. I agree. In terms of individual characters, not a huge difference in the portrayal, I would say, of Dr. Seward, of, um, of even Ben Helsing. Yeah. Kind of a very similar character, very, very similar casting. The characterization of Renfield was very different and more interesting in this one. There was more mm -hmm. back and forth for Ren Renfield, more, I'll use that word tension again, more tension within the character of Renfield between him wanting to save his eternal soul and his wanting to serve his master Dracula in exchange for eternal worldly life. And you can see that tension, that tension's made more explicit in some of the longer speeches that Renfield gets in this movie. And I thought that made the stakes more interesting and higher. They, they, they talked more about the threat to an eternal soul. Mm -hmm. In the English language one, after you get the point where Renfield is staring up the stairs in the ship and laugh screaming up at the people finding him, he, he's gone. He is, yeah. he is merely a hand of Dracula. Instead, we see even from that moment, a Renfield who is cowering both from the people coming down the stairs to get him and from the box he's been clutching the side of this yes. entire time. And so you wind up with this man pulled and pushed from both directions and still potentially redeemable or, ca or retrievable from the depths he's sinking into. Throughout this movie, the, the Spanish version of this movie, Renfield is still a character who is making choices, yeah. trying to make choices. And that's always going to make for a more interesting character, a more interesting story. The character of Dracula, not a very different character. It's easy to say, think that they were very similar with the, the similar type in casting, similar uh, wardrobe and, and styling. There was something about the Spanish language version that was a little more animal-like. You almost never see this character who, without his teeth bared, even when he's being pleasant and exchanging niceties with Dr. Seward. There's something a little more feral about this version, as opposed to more and more and more being under the surface, and that's where the scary stuff is, mm -hmm. which is what worked so effectively for Bela Lugosi. Interesting 
different takes that these different actors had. Yeah, Lugosi felt, seemed at home sitting in the theater box, having a conversation, being the count. Meanwhile, the actions of being the count, the actions of having to pretend to be a man, have a lot... Maybe it's just me and my own personal history. It had a lot more gritting your teeth and bearing through another eight-hour shift kind of harsh energy. He's like, he's got customer service smile in the weirdest way. It's like, ah, yes, I will happily chat with you for a while. Like, there's this, oh, yes. there's this tension underneath because there's definitely something closer to the surface in that sense. With Lugosi, you get the idea that one of the reasons he left Transylvania for London was so that he could sit in a box at the opera. Mm -hmm. With this other version, that box was more of a cage and you never knew when he was going to run out of patience sitting in it. Exactly. So it was fascinating to see this version of the movie, see two movies that are so very similar and yet through differences in directing, differences in acting choices in the cast, give you very different experiences. Mm -hmm. Other parts of our trip to the Alamo. Uh, the theater was all decked out for Halloween, so that's fun. They have not brought back yet their late night screenings of anything. I'm kind of hoping they do because that's when I tended to use that season pass a lot. But the staff was good. The theater was not, didn't have a lot of seats sold. But I like the fact that the Alamo brings back movies like this. Absolutely. Hi, it's Editing Matthew stepping in because I realized while putting this together that Ian and I neglected to mention the pre-roll that the Alamo showed with this movie. So I just want to touch on that. There are no great surprises, but there were a few differences from the other pre-rolls I've seen with Dra uh, Dracula or vampire-related movies. Some of the pieces that were in this pre-roll I had definitely seen before, like the, the Citroen Dracula footballing edition car. Still trying to figure that one out. And the, the Soul Dracula music and dance number with the violent choreography. I'd be very happy if I never see that again, but I've seen that at least two or three times at the Alamo in vampire-related movies. They, but there were also some other things like bits from, I gather they were Spanish kids shows that had bits that involved vampires. So that was a nice way to combine these. Of course, there were also trailers for other monster movies like Ghost of Frankenstein or the Dracula movie that featured Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. There were bits from what seemed to be Hindi musicals about vampires and a very strange lo-fi ad for the Japanese dub of What We Do in the Shadows. So this was a very interesting pre-show in that it was very, very eclectic, and yet it's still tied together with the movie very well. So good job, Alamo, when it comes to the pre-show for this version of Dracula. And now back to Matthew and Ian in the past. For food, I had the margarita pizza. And I had the uh, sprout and goat cheese pizza. Both very good, we've had those before. Excellent again. Good. I will say, I've sometimes ordered it angry, and I tried it again angry this time, and they were a lot more intense. I asked them to skip the jalapenos, and the pizza was still spicier than I've been used to. So whatever they've done, they have turned up the heat on making it angry if you order it that way. And we also tried the 
Avocado toast. I had not had that before. Had you tried that before? I had not tried that before, but I was fascinated because they put a, an interesting mix of toppings on on the ch this ciabatta toast they're using. Yeah, not just avocado and toast. It had pickled onion and radish, yeah. arugula, and a few other things. Pick, yeah, and it was it, more of a flatbread concoction yeah. than just avocado toast. Large pizzas of tomato. In some ways, if I had realized it was going to be so similar, I wouldn't have ordered the pizza. Oh, yeah. There's a similarity between those two things, but this was excellent. And but the pickled and the and the radish aspect much pepperier than I expected. It yeah. had some bite to it. It was kind of sharp. I like kind of sharp. It was excellent. It would be I while I wasn't feeling it for this as much as I expected. If you go to one of their early movies, this might be an excellent breakfast appetizer. Especially since you have the option to put a fried egg on it. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this Draft House Diary entry. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found it useful, click that like button down below. And if you want to see more of these, click subscribe. In the meantime, enjoy your movies. And when you do, stay till the end of the credits.